When it comes to challenging communication situations, few match the difficulty of talking to highly trained professionals who have expertise that we don't have. This is especially true when we're seen by doctors. We're in a vulnerable position, and it's not always easy to assert ourselves and make our concerns fully understood. Our question this episode: How can we set ourselves up for successful interactions when there's an imbalance of power? Welcome to episode 24 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. Thank you so much for joining me. This episode topic is inspired by a recent experience I had in going to the doctor. Actually, many doctors. Over the course of two days a few weeks ago, I saw three different doctors about a problem I was having with my leg. While they were all pleasant to deal with and very well-meaning. They also talked really fast, seemed to focus on one part of my story without hearing the whole thing, and even scared me a bit with words like surgery. I felt a bit frustrated because I wished I'd had the wherewithal to ask them to slow down with their explanations and to ask more questions. And I say that that I would ask more questions and that they'd ask more questions of me. It occurred to me that I can't be alone in feeling that frustration, so I decided to seek out someone who could give us some tips on advocating for ourselves in what are potentially stressful situations. Even though our focus is on talking with your doctor, the information applies to almost any conversation with someone with expertise. That could be a lawyer, an accountant, or financial advisor, a veterinarian, or anyone else with authority and specialized knowledge. My guest is Tammy Stacklehouse, founder of the International Fibromyalgia Coaching Institute, and the author of two books: "Take Back Your Life: Find Hope and Freedom from Fibromyalgia Symptoms and Pain," and "The Fibromyalgia Coach: Feel Better, Change Lives, Find Your Best Job Ever." Tammy helps women with fibromyalgia tired of being held prisoner in their own bodies find hope and freedom. As a fibromyalgia patient, she has gone from disabled to thriving, and she helps her clients do the same. Hi, Tammy. Welcome to How Can I Say This? I am.、Uh, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, as we heard in the intro, you you have some personal experience with communicating with doctors and being on the patient side of the healthcare system. And I'd love for you to tell us about your experiences, particularly in communicating with your doctors as you try to get a diagnosis.、Um, what did you notice about the power dynamics and how they influence the situation? Absolutely. So, like many fibromyalgia patients, it it actually took me about seven years, I think, from the point where I suspected fibromyalgia might be what was going on to the time I finally got a diagnosis. And you know, there were there were a lot of interesting things that happened. I noticed that doctors took me a little bit more seriously.、Um, Talked with me a little bit differently when my husband went to the appointments with me.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed, <laughs> I noticed that some were more or less willing to have me present my ideas. For instance, the first doctor that I said, "Hey, could it be fibromyalgia that I'm dealing with?"、Uh, was less open to hearing that from me as other people. A little further down the road,、mm-hmm. and then you know it was actually a friend that pointed this out to me. But there's a lot of interesting 
physical dynamics that happen when you are in a doctor's appointment. Quite often you are asked to strip down, but the doctor walks in in a you know, white doctor's coat. Yep. <laughs> uh, sometimes they're standing and you're sitting and, you know, there's just a lot of things that set it up so that they are the one that, that has all the power and is in the place of authority and you are left in a very vulnerable place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I'm curious when you encountered those doctors, what did you learn from or what was your experience for those that weren't as open to your perception of what was going on or your thoughts about what was happening? Mm-hmm. I learned that there was uh, a lot that I could do in how I presented things, um, like with most communication, you know, what you do on your end changes a lot of what the person hears on their end, right? Mm -hmm. How you say things, the words that you choose to use. Um, I found that asking questions was way more helpful than making statements when it came to presenting things that I had found. So for instance, asking the question, um, could fibromyalgia be something I'm dealing with Mm. was way more effective than walking in and saying, I think I have fibromyalgia. Yeah, (laughs) great point. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Well, as with so many things, when we're in these kinds of challenging situations, especially when there's a power differential, asking questions, if we're on the the side of feeling less power, asking questions is actually a pretty powerful way to exert a little bit of control, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, because you're directing the conversation in a particular way. Right, exactly. And you're also leaving, I think, space for, especially in this particular situation, you're leaving space for their expertise and their knowledge. Um, You know, from my perspective, I'm doing my research. I think maybe I have fibromyalgia, but maybe from the doctor's perspective, there is a reason why they think it's not that, right? Mm -hmm. And if I phrase it as a question, then it leaves that opening for them to say, well, you know, I don't think that because of this, or also a way for them, you know, I mean, ego is a part of it, right? It's mm-hmm. also a, leaves a, a graceful way for them to say, hmm, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ego is a huge part of the mm-hmm. the equation for sure. And that is a graceful way to help them navigate that without uh, challenging their ego, I guess, mm-hmm. with the statement of, I think it's this. Mm-hmm. I also found a lot of the difference was in uh, how I presented the information I had gathered as well. And we'll be talking about this a little bit more, but presenting data rather than presenting emotions mm-hmm. is hugely helpful. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sort of smiling as you're responding to this, because I know from our previous conversation that your background prior to all this was in tech support. And I imagine, mm-hmm. you know, IT tech guys and, and gals get calls all the time, you know, this <laughs> isn't working, and here's what I think it is, or, you know, they're trying to diagnose, or they're just frustrated. What did you learn from your time in that field that has helped you now? Oh, gosh, so much. It was, believe it or not, that was probably the thing that has helped me the most being a coach was my my time in tech Mm -hmm. support. Um, And the two big things, one of them was realizing that it's really difficult to know whether something made things better or worse if you make too many changes at once. So I really learned the value of making one change, seeing what happens, evaluating, making another change, seeing what happens. Um, So that was really, really valuable. 
the other thing that I tried to teach my staff was really realizing that the question people ask you most often is not the question they actually want the answer to. So I used to always talk about the question behind the question. Mm -hmm. And we used to always have people call in and say, I need to run XYZ report. And I would always ask, what information are you trying to get? Because the reality was more times than not, the report they were thinking they needed to run wouldn't give them the information they actually wanted. So learning that question behind the question, and I think we do this often when we go into doctor's appointments, right? We want to know one thing, but the question we ask isn't really the question we want the answer to. Yeah. So the more direct we can actually ask the real question or um, if our providers are asking us questions about things, um, sometimes we can sort of ask more questions to find out, okay, what do you really want to know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, is it asking about a particular kind of pain or where it hurts or, or what kind of outcome you want? Uh, a lot of times I think we go into our appointments less clear than we should be. So we are less able to get the outcome we want. Yeah, well, that that leads perfectly to my next question, which is about preparation. You know, how do we prepare ourselves for that conversation with a doctor? And I invite listeners, as you're hearing this, to think about any relationship. I mean, all of us go to the doctor, so I think we can all identify with this, but also recognize that there are these power or knowledge imbalances in lots of places where we feel vulnerable. I'm thinking of lawyers, mm -hmm. you know, veterinarians. I just had um, a, a lot of interactions with a veterinarian because we had a cat who was um, suffering, and um, sometimes I felt a little bit on the... Uh, sort of behind the, um, not quite on my game of being able mm -hmm. to sort of keep up. And, and, and I felt like I had to say yes to whatever she suggested, right? Right. Um, and so, so anybody who has that kind of specialized expertise that we don't have, what can we do to prepare ourselves for those conversations? Absolutely. And I love that you're asking that because I think preparation is one of the biggest keys to getting what you want out of the situation is first of all, knowing what it is you want out of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. And when it comes to doctors specifically, we do have such a limited time. Our medical system, the mm -hmm. way it's set up right now, you know, we're averaging 10 to 15 minutes for a doctor's appointment. So you can't go in with a long laundry list of items and expect to have them all covered. It's just not possible. So the first thing I would have people do is just like do a brain dump, just make a list. Mm -hmm. What are all of the things that you would like to have covered? And I think this works best if you don't try to put them in order first, because our brains don't always work that way. Uh, but mm -hmm. just like dump it out there. What are all the possible things? And then after it's out of your head, go back through the list and figure out what's the most important, what's the the second most important thing and, and really think from a standpoint of if I can only do one or two things, what are those things? The other thing that I always did when I was getting ready to go to my appointments is I would actually sit down like the night before and have a conversation with my husband. Mm -hmm. I noticed that there were often things that he noticed about my health that I didn't necessarily notice. So for instance, if I was having 
more headaches than normal. Maybe I was grouchier than normal. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily notice it as easy as he did. So I always would go through that with him. It's amazing how much we forget stuff. Talking it through with somebody else ahead of time can really help make that more clear. The other thing that I would do is collect that data that I was talking about. You know, if we're talking about pain, how long has my pain been at this level? Are we talking about one or two days of high pain? Are we talking it's been like this for the last three months? Mm -hmm. Um, And really looking at numbers and quantifiers. How long are you able to stand? What movements make something hurt? What symptoms are you experiencing? How long have they been that way? And really start to try to put them into numbers and quantifiers as much as possible and maybe even jot that down because when you go into a doctor's appointment, it's um, especially for me with the people I work with with fibromyalgia, we often have brain fog. Mm -hmm. And so sitting there in, in the doctor's office, it's like you had all of these thoughts and all of these ideas and they just went out the window. Yeah. And it's perfectly okay to take that that list and even hand it to your doctor and ask that to be part of your medical record. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about um, for the first time since in that I can remember, I've, I'm part of a system where we check in online, and I believe the form says, what do you wish to discuss with your doctor? Mm-hmm. And so you have space to actually list some things. And of course, that online check-in is optional, but it feels like, you know, if you have access to be able to do it, that might be another way to, you know, kind of go on the record mm-hmm. with various things and help yourself think things through and, and put it out there because like you said, you know, it goes so fast, we, that brain fog kicks in and, uh, and we leave and we're like, oh, shoot, I forgot to mention X. <laughs> and then we're, right. we're back at the doctor's office again in a month, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. And I think it's also important to know, and a lot of patients don't know this, that most doctor's offices have different lengths appointments that you can book. Mm. So if you know you're dealing with something that's chronic or more complicated or you have a longer list, you can potentially ask for a longer appointment and then you and the doctor aren't feeling rushed and you can get the things you need to accomplish accomplished. Yeah. Well, so let's say that we've done all of our homework. We've we've collected our data, we've got our list and and all of that and we're feeling ready. Once we get in the room, how do we best advocate for ourselves and what we need? Oh, that was tough because there are things that you can do, like literally the actions that you can take. But there's also a lot, I think, that we have to do in our own minds and hearts to be able to take those actions. Mm -hmm. So it would be easy for me to sit here and just say, you know, be super clear about what you want and what you need the outcome to be. But there is the whole psychological aspect of being able to speak up in front of somebody who is in a position of authority, right? So sometimes there is extra work we've got to do internally that helps us be able to do those things. Um, but the biggest thing I, I really think is to be honest. And what I mean by that is really paint a clear picture of your real situation. So I'll give you an example. Uh, When I was first diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I would go to my doctor and I would say something like, 
I was able to go to Costco this week. I was feeling good enough to go to Costco. But the whole picture was I only actually got dressed one day out of the week, and that happened to be the day that I went to Costco, but it took me two days to recover afterwards. And you can see that's a very different picture than just, yay, I went to Costco. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I think we have to sort of, um, I'm a very positive person, so I'm always painting the positive side of things, but I think we've got to be more balanced and not be afraid to paint the whole picture of what literally has actually happened. So being honest from, from that place. Mm-hmm. And really, if you need someone there, like if, if speaking up for yourself is difficult, having someone with you um, that you know is supportive, like me having my husband there, uh, there were lots of times that it was easier for him to say something than it was for me. It's also sometimes when our providers ask us questions about like, how has it been over the last week? What have you had trouble doing? Sometimes it's hard for us to know that. And if we can have somebody else there who has experienced life with us, sometimes they notice things we don't. So I think that can be can be super helpful. Also can just be, you know, a nice somebody there to hold your hand, give you a little bit of courage, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. Absolutely. Um, and also if you have that list, and if you've got it written down and you're walking in with it and you hand one to the doctor, then that also makes sure that you are sticking to the things that actually are important to you. Mm-hmm. And it it just makes it easier. For some of us, it can be easier to write things out and have somebody read it than to say it verbally. I think that's partly an introvert thing mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But that so that can be a way to do that, right? Is to have your list and say these are the things that I'm dealing with that I would I would really like to have help with. The other thing to remember is that while they are a doctor and they have got all of their their medical experience and training, they don't live in your body. And you can always come from the perspective of I am the expert of my body. I live here 24 Mm -hmm. (laughs) seven for however many years it's been like nobody knows what it's like living in your body better than you do. And if you can come from that perspective, for instance, let's say a doctor is telling you something that you, you just know is not true for you and your body. If you answer from the perspective of you're wrong that's different than answering from the perspective of, I understand what you're saying, but this is the experience I'm having in my body mm-hmm. where I am the expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. To, to be empowered by that knowledge that, uh, yeah, it's your experience in your body and to be able to push back just a little bit. And I like the way you phrased that. Mm-hmm. What do you think if, if you feel like, and I'm asking this, this whole topic came up as I shared in my introduction from a personal experience of feeling a little bit rushed and not listened to when I went to the doctor, if we feel like that they're not really hearing us, any suggestions for how to kind of call that in the moment um, Yeah, and, and shift the, the conversation? <laughs> right, right. It, it can be super tough because it, it can feel like you have to be confrontational. Yeah. And I don't know that, that you necessarily do. Um, the reality is that there are just some providers that aren't as good at this as others. And the answer may actually be to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that we 
looked at our doctors a little bit more like we look at restaurants. If you have a bad experience that you don't go back, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't, for whatever reason, we don't do that. It's like, oh, they're the expert there. You know, we sort of put them on this pedestal in a a little bit of a a godlike place of, well, they know better than me, so I'm going to keep coming back. And that is not the case. If you have a doctor who is not listening to you, not respecting you as a human being, not accepting what you say as the truth, like for instance, if you're talking about pain, telling you it's all in your head or something like that, you can go somewhere else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can't even walk out in the middle of the appointment. Like you have that power, but it doesn't have to be that drastic either. Right. Um, And I think the most important thing is coming back to that place of, I understand what you're saying, but this is the experience I am having in my body and being super clear about the outcome you want for the appointment. I know you and I talked about this um, earlier, but if you want the outcome of, I just want a diagnosis, or if you have the outcome of, I just need this pain to stop, Mm -hmm. or if you have the outcome of, I want to be able to do this particular thing, the answer to those three things may actually be different. And so it's important for you to know This is the outcome that I'm going for because then the questions that you ask, the information that you give, um, if you have to advocate for a particular thing, then you're advocating for the thing that you want most rather than something that might actually give you a different outcome. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up here, I'm wondering, what do you see as maybe the most or a most common mistake that people make in their communication with authority figures such as doctors? And what's a better approach? It has to do with uh, with that being honest part. And when it comes to providers, this wouldn't be as, as much with like somebody like a lawyer, but having that data uh, and talking in, in more objective terms mm-hmm. rather than subjective terms. I mean, our subjective experience is important, but it's harder for a diagnostician to be able to diagnose uh, from a subjective place. So be honest, come from that place of you are the foremost expert on life in your body and know what it is that you want and have that data to back up what it is that you're experiencing right now so that you have actual numbers and quantities to share because that will make it so much easier. Yeah. And it doesn't become a how you feel, how they feel, but a yes. hard number situation. That's one of my biggest takeaways from this because they're always asking, you know, what was happening right before this? What, you know, how many times? What's the severity? How long has it been going on? And sometimes I feel like I just don't have the answers. And because of that, I end up, they'll say, well, to keep track of it for the next two weeks and then come back. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's almost like, okay, I'm wasting time now. Right, exactly. And so you're reminding me like, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, and if you had that data, if you had tracked that prior to going in, then you would have the answers to that. Right. And it's it's a tricky situation, right? Because we don't always know what questions they're going to ask. So we can't anticipate everything. But, you know, that's one of the things from my troubleshooting background is I do a little bit of experimentation myself right? Like, does this make it worse? Does this make it better? When do I experience this 
pain or this symptom? Is there, are there any common denominators leading up to it? Mm -hmm. I do as much investigation as I can. I ask my husband those questions. Do you notice any patterns? So that when I go in, I can actually present that information, which sometimes can save weeks, possibly even months on getting proper diagnosis and treatment, because those are all the things the doctors are going to ask me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, like you said, there are questions we don't know that they're going to ask. But I think that there are also definitely questions that we can we can predict a little bit that, mm-hmm. that are kind of, you know, common sense of what they would be asking us. Um, so to, to prepare ourselves the best way we can and and know that we're not going to have the answers to everything. And still feel empowered, like you said, it's our body, our experience, that's our expertise, and be able to speak to that Mm -hmm. can back us up if we don't have the data. (laughs) Right, exactly. There's nobody that knows what life is like in your body besides you. Yep, exactly. Well, Tammy, how can people learn more about your work, your coaching, and uh, I know you've got a few books and, and whatnot. Where can they go? The thing that I would love most, if people want to get in touch with me, uh, I am actually starting my own podcast all around fibromyalgia. So if they go to fibromyalgiapodcast.com, you can sign up there and then, you know, ask if you have other questions, that's totally fine too. But if fibromyalgia is something that you're, you're dealing with, we're going to cover lots of information there. And so that would be that would be the best place. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure that there's a link to that on the episode webpage. Perfect. And we'll uh, direct people your way. And um, it's been delightful talking with you. Thank you so much. I feel just having this conversation, I feel better prepared for the next time I go. Excellent. And uh, appreciate your your generosity of, of sharing your experiences. So thank you, Tammy. You are welcome. Before I offer some closing thoughts and your call to action, I invite you to visit the episode webpage at HowCanIsayThis.com for more information on how to connect with Tammy. From there, you can also access past episodes, subscribe, or offer feedback. You'll also find information about leaving a review for the show. It only takes a few minutes, and by taking that tiny extra step, you're helping others find the podcast and benefit from it. An occasional feature of this podcast is responding to listener questions about conflict, communication, connection, and relationship building. I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You'll find the online submission form and other instructions at HowCanIsayThis.com. Here are some final thoughts and your call to action. I really appreciated Tammy's emphasis on feeling confident in your own experiences and wisdom and allowing that to give you courage to speak your mind. I also think her suggestion of coming prepared with data and reframing suggestions as questions is spot on. These points are true no matter what kind of authority figure you're talking with. As for a call to action for you, I invite you to do the following prior to any conversation you might have where you have the potential to feel maybe a little intimidated, uncertain, or that the power indifference might interfere with getting your message across. Take the time before the conversation to consider your intention. What do you want to know when the conversation is over? What would you consider a successful outcome? And based on that intention, what information do you need to take into the conversation that will increase the chances of you getting what you want? That information might be data, statistics, documentation, records, or other objective pieces of information that give the other person a more complete picture of the situation. It will take a little work to pull it together, but ultimately, if you do that, you'll save time, money, 
and frustration if you do that work up front, instead of leaving that appointment with little more than the scheduling of a follow-up appointment. <laughs> this is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Mm-hmm.